Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me once again, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, Joe. I'm. Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty excited. This was a this was an interesting week of football, so I'm 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 pretty psyched up to talk about it. Interesting week, some interesting scores, and I think we're starting to. Uh, you know, as usual, by this uh, couple weeks in, you start to learn some things about uh, about some teams, and and they are uh, learning things about themselves. Yep, yeah. There's a there's a couple of patterns that have started to uh, develop here. We could chat about that. All right. Well, uh, before we do that, I want to remind everyone that you can send us your questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail dot com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on TikTok at, and at NHHS Sports. Uh, you can listen to the show Tuesday mornings throughout the football season at nh-highschoolsports.com. And before we get started, let's take a moment to tell you about our sponsor. The presenting sponsor for the Ninth State Sports Show is Roger Howe of The Bean Group. Are you thinking of selling your home? Now may be the time. While the weather is starting to cool off, the market is hot and interest rates remain at all-time lows. It's time to call Roger Howe, a licensed professional realtor with The Bean Group. Not sure what your home is worth? Roger will provide a market analysis for you at no charge. With 12 years of experience in residential, commercial, leasing, and investment properties, Roger knows your local market. Contact Roger Howe of The Bean Group at 800-450-7784 or 603-247-1583 or email him at roger at rhowrealestate.com. Uh, and if you'd like to join Roger as a sponsor for the Ninth State Sports Show, uh, you can do so by reaching out to, uh, and sending an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. All right, well, uh, as, our, as we're, we're starting uh, a new tradition around here this year, right, we're going to uh, highlight uh, an individual. Each of us is going to talk about an individual player from the week that, that had a, uh, a standout performance and then also talk about uh, a team that, uh, that turned out uh, a great performance over the weekend, um, you know, or or did something that was kind of extraordinary uh, that we want to uh, we want to mention. So I don't know, Mike. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to uh, want me to go first with a player of the week? No, why don't you go first, Joe? It's your show. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, okay. So the the player I want to highlight this week uh, is a uh, young man from Guilford, Belmont, uh, Isaiah Reese. Um, you know, I was reading through some of the scores and, and stats that were on online uh, over the weekend, and uh, particular one about his game uh, really jumped out with me. Of course, uh, Guilford Belmont getting a big win um, last week over Sanborn, and uh, in that win, uh, Reese had uh, a rushing touchdown, two touchdown passes, and what really got me was he had two punt returns for touchdowns. Uh, which uh, one of one of 54 yards, one of 62 yards, uh, which, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, you've watched a lot of football over the last, you know, what, 20 years uh, more than that, I, I would guess. Yeah, it's like 30 now, but <laughs> who's counting? <laughs> I, was trying to, I was trying to be nice and, and make you younger. than. Uh, than uh, uh, it's just another trip around the sun, Joe. <laughs> And you know, I've I've watched a lot of football myself, and I will say that that in recent years, and I'm sure you would agree with me, there are fewer and fewer kids who are returning punts, uh, or that maybe even know how to return punts. For someone to return two of them for a touchdown in one game, let alone forget one game, how about one season? Um, I just yeah. I, that really that really stood out to me, jumped out to me, and uh, congratulations to uh, to Isaiah Reese, Guilford Belmont. They are two and zero to start the season, and uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more in, later in the show. But a, a big game coming up on Saturday at Bow, which is also two and zero to start the season. Yeah, you know, in the preseason, I had heard that Guilford Belmont might have a special kid playing quarterback. I, I didn't, I didn't hear a name. I had just heard sort of those rumblings, and uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that kind of stat line on Isaiah because it's been a long time, I think, in the state. You know, there's been a lot of really, really good athletes that play quarterback but you don't often see the quarterbacks back there on your your return teams right your your deep man on your punt return or your deep man on your kickoff return the last time i saw a kid like that was now i'm you know we were just making fun of being old and and being around football in new hampshire for a long time there was a really special player who played it at uh, it was before the nashua school split actually back in the late 90s his name was aaron garekis yeah 
And I can remember we, when I was at Merrimack High School, we had lost to Nashua by a, a touchdown in the last game of the regular season. And this kid, Galekis, who was their quarterback, he was a really good quarterback, took two kicks back for us. I don't remember whether they were kick returns or punts or some combination, but he took two back against us in the game. So that was the difference in the game, was the, the quarterback taking the ball back on in special teams you know, and scoring on you. So I haven't heard a story like that since then and when it happened to us personally. So, <laughs> so that is definitely a special player if they're doing that kind of stuff. Talk, talking about people feeling old. So he was what, class of 99 at Nashua? Uh, you know who yes, else that's was, right. Yeah, it was yeah. 98. Uh, yeah, you know who else was class of 99 at Nashua High? Yeah, I'm going to take a guess. It's somebody we know well. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be me. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Was I, that you? Yeah, yeah, that was me. I was, yes. Uh, I don't know if I, don't think I had any classes with him, but definitely know, you know, knew, knew of him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was, a, he was a good football player. And again, yeah. that's the, I haven't heard a stat line on a QB slash kick returner since, since, back then right so yeah congratulations yeah um so how about uh who was your player of the week um for this past week so i've got uh probably the, the you know last week it was funny we said hey you know it's not not really about stats this time it was about uh it was about who kind of made the biggest difference for their team well i'll say the same thing this week but the stats also speak the language and that's uh Concord's Ilya Bahuma uh who ran for I think just a little bit over 300 yards and three touchdowns uh, in Concord's win over Keene. And, you know, I mean, it was, I I think he had 160 yards at the 15 minute mark. There were, it was nine, there was nine something on the clock and he already had 160 yards rushing. Um, Yeah, it was, and he's good, right? Like, there's been a couple of big rushing performances I've seen in the state through the years, whether I've seen them on film or, or I've been there scouting or I've even there's, you know, a couple that I've been a part of where it was just, you completely had outmatched the other team. And yeah, the, the, the kid had a big night, but it was because your offensive line just completely dominated the other team. And, you know, I might've been able to run, not to take anything away from the running backs or anything, but you, you know what I'm saying? Right. And that wasn't the case here. I mean, there were times where, Keen bottled him up. They made life difficult for him, but he just, it was like every three or four carries he got, he was just going to rip off a massive chunk of yards. I mean, I'm talking about 56 yard runs, you know, 65 yard runs. And, uh, he's a real deal, man. We'll talk a little bit more about the Conquer game. Uh, I think later in the show, but, uh, but for now, uh, that he, he had a special day. It was a, it was a really good performance. Yeah, I want to give a uh, a quick shout out to our, our friends over at uh, FNL and H Media too for uh, for uh, going up to that game uh, out in Keene. Um, I know, I think you you said you watched that that game, and I I definitely or I watched a little bit of it earlier today. Um, you know, just to to try to see what that performance looked like, and and the thing that stood out to me was, I mean, it, the start for Keene was kind of, you know, the, the first play of the game he gets the ball. I think he lost two yards. Uh, second play, yeah. they get one of those yards back. They're looking at third and eleven, and uh, and they pitch it to him uh, going around the right end, and he just, just takes off. It's like I don't know, goes, I don't right. know where fifty-one yard touchdown. Yeah. Whoa, okay, uh, but yeah, just uh, yeah, it was definitely a little bit of a feast or famine thing. But uh, man, when he was feasting, he was feasting. He had a great night. Yeah, that's uh, that's an incredible. When I saw those numbers, I was like, "Well, he's going right to the top of uh, top of our list for for player of the week." Um, yep. And and also, like we said, want to highlight a team of the week too. Um, so I'll I'll go a uh, team that I actually saw up close and personal Saturday. Um, you know, saw them twice now this year too, and that's uh, the Wyndham Jaguars who uh, pulled out a forty-four to thirteen win over Nashua South Saturday afternoon at Stello Stadium at a very hot Stello Stadium. Uh, anyone that was there well, saw me standing in the shade of the scoreboard with uh, with my colleague Tom King there for, for a good portion of the game uh, because, uh, yeah, we're, we're a bunch of old guys and we really don't want to move around in the heat. Uh, <laughs> it was hot. It was just we, we had my, my two sons played football all morning on Saturday, and it, it was hot. Yeah. Yeah. It was really hot for a football game. Um, but in that game, you know, w- Wyndham with- withstood the heat. Um, they had four turnovers in that game. Um, another kind of 
miscue by South, not a turnover, but they they bobbled a snap on a on a punt that led to a turnover on downs, uh, giving Wyndham a short field, and and Wyndham took advantage of 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 most of those mis- mistakes, you know, those short fields. Um, you know, I had them in the first quarter with with a total of fifty yards, uh, and they were already up twenty one to nothing. You yeah, know, and and they yeah, you don't see stat lines yeah. like that too often unless there's been a lot of. Uh, like you said, sort of, sort of a lot of turnovers to capitalize on, or, or you know, lots of short fields because of big mistakes from the offense. Right, so, right. Uh, but hey, that's part of winning games, right? It's, it's <laughs> not about the yardage that you've collected; it's about how many times you punch the ball in, and uh, they found a way to get it done, definitely. And you know, for for Wyndham overall, I mean, just a, a game that you could almost just, you know, it snowballed for them once they got, you know, one of those, it just kept rolling. And and you know, talking to 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 Wyndham coach uh, Jack Byrne afterwards, I mean. He he was thinking the same thing I was thinking as it was happening is that this is the first time in a while that Wyndham's had a win like this, you know that that first year when they moved up to Division One, uh, with with Bill Raycraft um, still leading the way, they had a couple of wins over some of the the lower tier teams in the division at that point that were you know running time in the second half uh, kind of wins, but you know for a team that that won one game last year. Um, I don't think they won any games during 2020. Of course, I think they only played a handful because of COVID. Um, you know, so you're going back to to uh, 2019 for winning a couple of games there. You know, to get a win like that and, and coming off of a, a probably what was a really disappointing afternoon. You know, losing to Pinkerton by one after a furious comeback there. Getting that win Saturday is, is probably is going to be huge for the Jaguars. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, that's. I think that's a good pick. And who uh, who did you got have for your uh, for your team there, Mike? So I got to tell you, this is like a this is a way to cheat, right? When I say, well, I almost went with <laughs> <laughs> this is a way for me to cheat. Uh, I almost went with Merrimack Valley for their victory over Laconia. They they won thirty to nineteen this weekend. Um, and you had another great rushing report performance from, from Reese uh, Clermont, who, who scored four touchdowns and had over 200 yards rushing. But I've got to go with the Bow Falcons, yeah. uh, who beat Plymouth 28-18 uh, on Saturday. Uh, first of all, anybody beating Plymouth is always a big deal. But Bow's out to a 2-0 and start, and you know the intangibles – I, I think have a lot to play here, right? And that is that uh, the community sort of had their their special celebration and moment for the Willette family, um, who obviously were involved in that tragic accident. Um, I, I think it was almost a year ago to the day, I, I right? It was it was, one it was year, kind yeah. of in that yeah one year to yeah the day. it was it was a, that first week of September, um, and, and so one for them to 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 have endured through that and. Uh, you know, the fact that they were kind of having a, a celebration or, or a, a remembrance, however you want to think of it, um, to commemorate the lives that were lost there and, and, uh, and play the game uh, to honor the young men. And, uh, and the fact that they beat, uh, you know, a rival, won an important Division II game and won it pretty decisively. Um, I, I got to go with Bo. That's, I just think that's fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah, great, great job by them to. Yeah, I think they got behind early and had to come back um, for that win, uh, which you know, after you know the 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 celebration of life ceremony, whatever you want to call it, you know, to do that to start the game, I I can understand why they would have fallen behind uh, kind of early, um, but to yeah to rally back and and win one when you're you're honoring uh, a fallen teammate in in. Uh, Nick and, and his brother Gavin, um, just um, great job by 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 the Bow community to to put that all together. Yep, yep, agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's let's get a little bit more in depth in a couple games on here, and uh, I think uh, why don't we why don't we start with that one we were just mentioning about uh, both of us getting a chance to to watch some of that uh, Concord at Keene game, um, you know. Both teams, I think, kind of surprised us a little bit in a in a sense um, in week one, but in different ways. You know, Keene had that big win at Goffstown uh, to start off the year, and then you look at Concord uh, for I'd say maybe two and a half, three quarters. They they hung right with Londonderry, and uh, before yep. before ultimately falling in that game, 
And then in this one, you know, the way it started, you know, Keenan moved the ball a little bit on their first drive, and, and as we were saying, those first two plays for Concord uh, looked pretty rough until uh, until our, uh, Ilya Bahuma uh, took over. Yeah, I, I, you know, I had an interesting reaction as I was watching that game, and it was Concord's a little bit for real. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, Keen, I mean, Keene had a, a, a really statement win against Goffstown. Now, I know Goffstown is young this year, but Goffstown's still Goffstown. You know, they still have – they're always going to have tough players and be well-coached and all those type of things. And and it's not – it's like I said, it's not like Keene just went out there and kind of got blown out, right? I mean, there were times where they were able uh, to bottle um, Bahuma up a little bit, and they were able to sort of contain things. But – he just found a way to break free on every three or four carries, right? right. Um, and in a big way. But it's not like Keene was just a team that got rolled over. But I guess what I'm getting at is Concord was was really impressive. I mean, they, they were able to, after weathering the storm a little bit defensively, right? You mentioned what I had recognized, which is, hey, the first drive or so, Keene really came out and punched him in the mouth. They were picking up eight, nine yards a pop on the ground. And Concord kind of just, they stayed patient, they stuck with it, they were physical. And after a while, Keene couldn't sustain that. And Concord was just teeing off on him. I think Concord has 20 seniors on their roster. Wow. Jeez. Um, I forget, I, I had written the kid's name down. I don't, I don't have it here in front of me anymore, which makes writing it down kind of useless. But <laughs> they have a really good three-year starter at quarterback. I forget his name now, number one. Um, uh, Zach Dowling. and obviously they have an excellent backfield. Uh, I, I was just I was really impressed with Concord. You got to start wondering whether they're sort of like a like a sleeper lying in the wait here. You know. Well, that's a good segue into what I was going to say next. Was if you look at Con- Concord's uh, schedule coming up here, um, you know they they've played Londonderry, they played Keene. Um, you know, within their conference, they got two big games coming up. This week, uh, a Saturday afternoon game at Memorial Field against Manchester Central, which is 0-2. Then they follow that up uh, with a game at Alvern, uh, which is also 0-2. And then uh, Concord, actually, they, uh, they'll they welcome in uh, an out-of-state game. They, they've got Rutland uh, the last Friday in September. So yeah. that game, we know, doesn't count in the standings. Uh, but then after that, they have another home game the following week against Nashua South, which is also off to an 0-2 start. So their next right. three division games there are, are look like winnable games, um, you know, with the, the potential going into the last three against Salem, Wyndham, and Pinkerton sitting at 4-1 um, and one in the division. So that, I mean, you know, assuming they win those games. So, you know, that would put them in a pretty good spot. And, and you know, after last week's performance, they look like they're ready to go on a roll. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it feels good to be able to say that, you know, Concord's had, they've been down for a few years, you know, since winning the championship in, geez, what was it? Was it 2015? 2013. 13, was it that long ago? Yeah, right. Yeah. It, see, again, old. Doesn't seem like that long ago <laughs> to me. But uh, they, they've struggled, you know, off and on since then, right? I think they've been competitive here and there, but um, they've really kind of been in a rebuild mode. And, man, you got 20 seniors, you roll out some big weapons, I think the only thing I would say, Joe, is that I, I think if they had one weakness that I would point to that was pretty apparent in that game, I think they, they've got to have a little bit better uh, – they've got to do a little bit better job of self-control, right? Yeah. There were there were two or three really blatant uh, personal foul penalties that I'm sure Coach Corkum and his staff were not happy about. And those are the kind of things that will really hurt them down the stretch when they start playing really oh. – you know, that those three games that you mentioned at the end of the season, those are quality opponents, Salem, right. Pinkerton – and Wyndham, um, and, you know, you'd hate to see a close game go down the tubes because you had somebody that couldn't couldn't control their emotions right. and, and did some things that they didn't really mean to do, right? And you're going to get you're gonna get held accountable for, for that if you get caught. And uh, that, that would be the one thing I would say. Hopefully they, they're able to kind of recognize that and kind of get that bottled up. Yeah, that would be a, an unfortunate thing to have that happen, uh, you know, especially coming down the stretch of a big game. Um, you know, I, I got to see, uh, Friday, uh, what was kind of a, kind of a sneaky big game, I think, you know, just, um, when you, when you kind of look at where, where people kind of expect, uh, you know, Bishop Girton to be at the end of the year. And then of course they were playing at Timberlane, 
and and oddly enough, you know, talking with with the players, of course, for for my um, series this season, uh, you know, the senior class I had never actually played Timberline. Um, you know, with them having been down in Division Two the last couple of years, uh, their freshman year not, um, you know, either not being on varsity or I don't think that was part. There was that was where the cycle was. Like I, I you know, can't remember. I, I can remember who when Concord won the, the championship the last time. Can't remember who was playing who back in 2019 off the top of my head. Um, you know, so it was kind of an interesting, uh, I think, experience for them going over there because that that place is, um, you know, not the easiest to play. You know, you, you no. got the <laughs> the field is is what it is. Um, you know, the the cr- I couldn't believe the crowd that was there. Um, you know, I got there probably, I don't know. 20 minutes before kickoff which which admittedly I, I would have liked to have been there earlier always have a hard time getting there I always feel like I'm sitting in traffic no matter what time of day it is um, but I, I think I texted you once I got there I had to park literally on the other side of the school I walked the entire parking lot from one end to the other uh, to get to the field um, no. so fantastic. yeah there's something yeah. about there's something about Timberlane's fan base and stuff that's always been you know, almost sort of like this, this mythical thing, right? I mean, right. It, Timberlake, like, let's admit it, right? Like, the school's kind of in the middle of nowhere. There's no easy way to get there. No, it's no. not to say it's a small school. It's a good-sized school. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not like it's like, you know, Nashua South or, you know, one of the Manchester schools or Salem or, like, you know, the school's kind of accessible, right? It's off a highway somewhere right. and you just go there. You know, but, man, it's always a crazy atmosphere there, always. And uh, they really do it up. I mean, the student section is is uh, intense, <laughs> but but they pack the house, and that's that's awesome, right? That's what you want football to be all about. Um, and and I mean, it, it's it's got to be special being a player there and going out there with that place packed and rocking like that. It's got to be. Well, I will say this too: I don't remember any other school setting off fireworks after touchdowns, uh, which they did that. Yeah. Uh, which you would think by the third one, I would have gotten used to it, but nope, I still uh, still jumped every single time because uh, I those were going off behind me. Um, yeah. So, well, the, yeah. Well, Dover has a Kiwanis cannon that they will blast, uh-huh. but that's not fireworks, <laughs> right? That's that's it's still loud. Yeah. It'll still shake you a little bit, but it's uh, not fireworks. Fireworks is legit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so the game itself was 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 really interesting. You know, BG kind of dominated the first half. Uh, they forced a couple turnovers, got a safety, uh, brought down uh, Timberlane's uh, Dom Capetta in the end zone. Uh, and the safety turned out to be, you know, pretty key because on the previous touchdown, uh, BG had missed the extra point. Um, so instead of being 14-7, it's a 13-7 game. They get the safety. It's 15-7. They go on a long touchdown drive to end the half, so they go into half. And then on that touchdown drive, uh, Coach Trishiani decides to go for two, and uh, and they get it. So it's a 23-7 game. And as Timberlane's coming back, you're looking at it, and you're like, well, it's 16 points. So they, they, you know, they score here. They got to go for two. Uh, and they did. They scored on the first play of the fourth quarter had all the momentum at that point because early in the earlier in the third they had stopped a bg drive at the goal line um getting a fumble which if bg scores there it's a 30 to 7 game instead timberland comes back they score it's 23 13 they line up to go for two and uh, bg makes a play knocks down the pass and now it's still a, a two score game well uh it almost ended up you know or excuse me, Timberland almost ended up coming all the way back. They did get another touchdown, um, made it 23-20, uh, just kicked the extra point on that one. And uh, they were driving late uh, with a chance to, to potentially tie it. Um, you know, they And they do have a, a very good kicker um, whose first name is escaping me, but I, his last name is Bloom. Um, but he was putting kicks um, pretty deep on the kickoffs. You know what would help if I actually looked at the roster I have sitting next to me, uh, wouldn't it? Uh, Harrison Bloom, uh, so he's a yeah, very good kicker for them. Um, they just couldn't give him a chance to to, to kick it. Uh, you know, their last drive, they they had I think they had one penalty throughout the entire game, and then on their last drive, they get called for two holds and a false start. Uh, you know, you had um, you know guys on on BG's defensive line, uh, Rocco Geraci, uh Jacob Baker coming up with big plays, uh, putting a lot of pressure on Capetta. 
Uh, Baker got a couple sacks on him. It was Geraci that had the safety in the uh, in the first half, and then uh, and then Matt Sanaswaso coming up with uh, interception. Um, you know, on Timberland's final play to to seal the game. But you know, as uh, you know, as good as BG felt, I think escaping there with a the win. I come out of that game looking at Timberland and thinking. This team's for real. Um, you know, I, I, I know they, you know, we talked a lot about them being in, in Division Two the last two years and, you know, not having the most success leading up to that. This group that they've got now, they've got size, they've got speed, there's playmakers on that team. Capetta is, you know, he's he's got an arm. Um, he can move in the pocket. He can scramble. He, he had a couple nice runs in that game. Um, yeah, I, I came away from there uh, – a believer in, in the owls. Yeah, you know it's a, it's it's funny because we always talk in preseason about, especially when it's a, a new cycle, right? And we talk about you know the the teams that are petitioned down and you know teams that are going back up after petitioning down and all those different types of things. And, and there's always a little bit of kind of fun controversy to, to talk about there, right? And we spent some time on that this season, but you know th- this is a this is a really good example of I think what what that petitioning down element can do if it's if it's done right. You know, if you really do have a program that's sort of from a numbers perspective on the cusp, and you are struggling to build interest and build numbers and 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 so on and so forth, you know, you go down and you rebuild and you get the school excited about football again and maybe you get those seven eight nine guys out that weren't coming out before because you know kids were sort of rolling their eyes and saying man i don't know if i want to go through all that to be two and whatever and then you know you come back out and you build it up now again you can argue back and forth about whether that's good whether that's fair whatever right but at the end of the day you want strong football programs in the state yeah you know, you want you want the divisions to to be competitive and and to have as many contenders in as possible. And so, I guess my take is, you know, if 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 that if this is the result, if Timberlane is really for real here, and they're they're going to be a strong Division One team after having to go down and and sort of do some rebuilding, I think it's worth it. I mean, yeah, is it again? Is there some controversy around that? Potentially, of course, right. You know, you, you can't get through a day without controversy these days. It seems so, whatever, <laughs> right? But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's great. I think it's great. And, and again, BG being a, you know, a, a contender for sure. And you end up playing a game like this, where could have gone one way or the other, depending on a co- way a couple things go. Hey, I, I think it's great. Yeah. You know, and then you look at uh, at how things are lining up for Timberlane. Um, you know, they they turn around next week or this week and have to go to Winnicunit. Um, you know, that game looks a little bit different than it did before the start of the season. Winnicunit at zero and two, yet to score a point uh, this year. Um, you know, and they follow that up with with a home game against Keene, and then they're really the one to keep an eye on um, is uh, the la- again last Friday in September. Timberlane hosts Exeter. Uh, which is also off, yeah. or off to a two and zero start. Uh, well, I guess technically one and zero with that win last week being over uh, uh, Champlain Valley Union. So, right. Um, but but that one that one looks a lot bigger, looms a lot bigger on the schedule than it did maybe a, a, a couple weeks ago. Yep. And um, I I do want to mention real quick too before we move on. Uh, you know, mentioning that that Winnicott, uh you know off to a really rough start. They had a very bizarre game. It sounds like with Portsmouth Oyster River uh, last week, a game that that Portsmouth Oyster River won twenty five nothing, um, with some I, I don't know defensive special teams touchdowns. Um, yeah, they had an interception return for a touchdown and a block punt that they returned for a touchdown in that game, which they needed because uh, the Clipper Cats had just seventy yards on offense for the night, including one yard in the second half. Wow. <laughs> So really, uh, just really take it. You want to talk about? We were talking about Wyndham taking advantage of of uh, the other the opponent's mistakes. I mean, that is even more so. I I, I think I I couldn't tell you that there the the list of teams that have won games gaining one yard in the second half is is probably not very long. Yeah. Uh, I, I, again, another odd stat. We were we were talking at the beginning about the Wyndham games and the yardage the Wyndham game in the yardage right but yeah I think I think I think we kind of 
we we guessed. I mean, we hoped not, but we guessed at the beginning of the year in private that Winnicott might just be a little too young right. to be as successful as they've been the past several years. You know, I, I think they're only bringing back three starters. Um, you know, when I when I took over at Sauhegan, we were bringing back like one and a half starters. <laughs> I think right, but but that, that's also not a Division One schedule that we were playing too, right? So it's it's really hard to be competitive when you're bringing when you're replacing that many kids in Division One in New Hampshire. Um, Was but, it you know, the... hey, they've been good, and you know, I think you, you have a good feeling that they might take their lumps this year, but they'll probably be right back in it next year. Was the half starter? Was it the top half or the bottom half? I mean, I think that makes a difference. Oh, I'm sorry. Was the start the half starter you had back? Was it the top half or the bottom half of the of the kid? Like, was it his legs or was it his you know his his torso and like did he have his brains? Or was no, his, you know, it was the other way. It was it was down the the vertical. Right down, right so down. we had like he had like one eye, one nostril, one arm, one leg. Excellent. I mean, you can you can work with that. You can work. With yeah, that. yeah. We, we had to put our coaching hats on, but we made it work. Um. You know, and, and look, again, talking about upcoming schedules, uh, you know, it doesn't get easier for Winnicott. Again, they, they play, they host Timberlane, and then they have their, their huge rivalry game against Exeter the following week. Then they go to Bishop Girton, and then they host Pinkerton over the next four weeks. Oh, Just, uh, yeah. That's rough, a tough rough schedule. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so any, anybody else from uh, Division One or anything else happened in Division One this week that kind of stood out to you? I watched a little bit of the uh, the Merrimack Alvern game live. Yeah. Um, I caught a live stream of that on Friday night. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get out on Friday night. I had every intent of doing that, and I had some um, uh, some things blow up at work, and it, I just wasn't going to be able to get out in time. And I, I have this really th- this thing where I don't like being late for a game. So, <laughs> so I ended up watching the live stream of, of the Merrimack Alvern game, and I, I know that it, it ended up sort of being a lopsided score in Merrimack's favor. But honestly, it was probably a, a I, I think Merrimack kind of pulled away in the end yeah. with some sloppiness, but it, it wasn't it wasn't a, a really clean game from what I saw. It looked like there was some sloppiness on both sides. Um, you know, clearly I think Merrimack asserted themselves as a better team. I think Alvern had uh, some penalties that they were dealing with and things that that didn't help them along the way. But again, it it wasn't uh, it wasn't as clean a game as as I think either coach probably would have liked. Um, again, clearly, I think Merrimack was the better team, but I don't think they do, did themselves many favors early in the game, and they ended up sort of having to to really uh, kind of explode at the end, take advantage of some Alvern miscues. But um, but that that was the only other Division One game that I I sort of had exposure to over the weekend. I just wanted to mention that. And that was what Alvern I think got out to what a twelve nothing lead, and then Merrimack scored what forty one <laughs> unanswered points in that one. Unanswered, yeah, yeah forty one yeah. to twelve final. That's yeah. Yeah, because I I texted you I think when I saw the first quarter score and I was like, wow, uh, that's a kind of a surprise. Um, but uh, yeah, nice job for for Merrimack to rally back and 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 get that one, especially coming off a a close loss the week before. Um, and you know, um, it, it's kind of it, we have I mean we mentioned that Exeter win a kind of game and and there's a bunch of other rivalry games that weekend uh, in September, not this coming weekend, but the week after. Um, and I, I like how they they match that up uh, in Division One, and uh, unfortunately they don't do it in Division Two so much. So this past week we had uh, the Milford Sauhegan game in Division Two uh, as the second game of the season, which I guess is better than what they used to do going back probably like you know fifteen sixteen years uh, when they would play the first week of the season. Uh, which I always, oh, always found frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, yeah, it's awful. I know Sauhegan dominated back in those days, um, you know. And and the the line I always got was, well, if we play him, <laughs> if we get him out of the way now, for, from Milford's perspective, we get him out of the way now, we won't don't have to see him again till the playoffs. Like, well, right, okay, I, I get it, um, <laughs> but. <laughs> uh, but this you're going to take some sort of silver lining uh, <laughs> at that point. Uh, you know, this game, I, I thought, you know, had the makings of, of a, you know, was going to be a close game, but just at least looking at the final score, you know, Sauhegan gets a 41-14 to 14 win. Um, is that, like, a, a fair depiction, do you think, of what happened in that game, or, or was it maybe a little closer than what the score indicates? 
You know, there were a couple of things. I, I saw some of the highlights online, uh, you know, so I can't, that's where I was going to go, by the way. And, and obviously I was not thrilled that I ended up having to miss it. So um, I did my best to try to scour around and, and get some highlights online and stuff. And, you know, so I think Milford jumped out to a 6 nothing lead. Um, and, and, and I think that held for some time um, early in the game. You know, it wasn't like, hey, it's 6 nothing, then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, okay, it's 14-6, it's 21-6. You know, I mean, I, I think Milford hung on to that lead for a little while. But then, you know what happened? J.J. Bright happened. <laughs> and, I mean, this kid's pretty good. I mean, the stat line is not something that would, like, jump out at you. You know, I think he had uh, just a little bit over 100 yards. But he had three touchdowns, and he caught uh, a 50-yard-plus pass. He blocked a punt. And an unbelievable stat in this day and age, he had 13 tackles on defense. Wow. Right? You don't see that that often no, no, uh, nowadays, right? In the, I, th- I think maybe 15, 20 years ago when – Teams ran a lot more between the tackles and, the, the, you know, a lot more sort of condensed type of formations. You'd get, these, you'd get linebackers that would have 15 tackles a game just because, the, you know, that's where the ball was coming. Right. It was coming at yeah. your inside linebackers. But nowadays, I think you get a, a lot more ver- variety in the way offenses attack the field. So you get, you know, the tackling statistics sort of get spread out amongst, you know, a couple defensive linemen, uh, a really good strong safety, a linebacker, et cetera. 13 tackles, in, 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 again, in this day and age, pretty good. So J.J. Bright is really good. Like, I, I, I watched a lot of highlights on him, um, and Milford just couldn't stop him to the outside. You know, uh, Coach Bobcat wasn't doing anything particularly complicated to free him up. It was sort of toss right and toss left or, you know, maybe a little speed option to him with uh, – with Jane sort of pitching him the ball and stuff, but it was mostly getting outside and just completely outflanking the Milford defense, which just didn't have the speed to contain him. Um, and, and the other thing that I think that happened, Joe, was, and again, just trying to put highlights together and stuff, I, I didn't see the game, so I, I don't understand what happened, but it looked like, um, it, it, it looked like um, Charlie Erda, Chuck Erda, ended up coming out of the game at some point. And, and he had had a, a few really good runs and was sparking some things for Milford. So I don't know whether he got hurt or what happened, but it looked like um, Milford spent a good portion of the of the last part of the game with their backup quarterback. Wow. And, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, and, and he did a pretty good job, um, but he's not Chuck Erda, right? right? Chuck Erda was really explosive. He made some big plays with his legs in the option game for Milford against Sauhegan. Um, and then all of a sudden he wasn't there, and it, it, it was kind of like, ooh, um, I hope he's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, Sauhegan uh, putting up the points already this year. They're 101 in their first two games, and uh, and they have Manchester West coming in uh, this past week, which, which has – Games that are kind of at opposite ends of the spectrum there. West opened the year losing to Pelham 34-7 and then turn around last week and beat uh, Lebanon 62 to nothing. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things you probably figure there's somewhere in the middle there between those two uh, those two extremes, I, I would imagine. But, yeah, so Higgins hosting West and Milford um, has an interesting, another interesting game coming up. Uh, they go back home to host Hanover, which is 2-0 and going on the road for the first time this year. Hanover with a, a pair of wins over Hollis Brookline and John Stark to start the season. Yeah, and I, 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 didn't, I didn't get much on the John Stark game, but I, I did hear that that was a little bit closer and it sort right. of kind of blew, yeah. you know, blew open at the end for Hanover. Um, yeah, so I, I have a hard time kind of figuring out what type of team Hanover is, and I think – I think this will be a good indicator game week three here coming home, uh, you know, coming over to Milford, you know, again, maybe a lot of that will have to do with is, is Chuck Erda ready to rock? Right. Um, Cause he does a lot for that football team. Um, so again, kind of, kind of interesting to see what, what shakes there, but yeah, that'll be an interesting game. Cause I think that game will definitely set the, you know, the sort of, sort of the measurement for where people are at. Uh, you know, and then we, we talked a little bit about uh, that Bow and Plymouth game uh, earlier. And that one, you know, w- when we, we looked at the, the schedule uh, going into week one, we said Bow kind of had a really tough stretch to open the year here. 
Um, and, you know, so far so good for them. You know, they, they beat Plymouth. Uh, they open the season with that win over Sanborn. They go to uh, Guilford Belmont this coming Saturday for, for a 2 o'clock start against the Guilford Belmont team that's also 2-0. and And then Bo goes to Milford uh, the following week. Uh, but, you know, you look at this game from last Saturday, and like we said, they were down early, uh, had to come back in that one, and really the, the, the guy leading the way for him was Hollis Jones. Uh, three touchdowns, 131 yards on the ground. Um, you know, then Ryan, Ryan Lover also with a big game for him, over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown. Uh, you know, so, so it's, I mean, Bo certainly has uh, the players to, to get, get it done. Um, and, and, you know, based off of these first two games, I think they look pretty good. You know, they, they might maybe run the table in that four game stretch. Um, you know, I mean, of course we'll see how, yeah, they, they I, I, I mean, road, Hey, but let, yeah. let's face it. They got a, they got a tough couple of games coming up. Um, cause it's, it's Guilford Belmont this coming week. Yep. Right. And, and then, then followed Milford. up by Milford. Yep. And then, oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, you'll know a lot about. Are they for real or not coming out of this threat? I mean, even if they split these next two games, that's pretty legit. They'll be putting themselves in very, very good position, I think. I, you know, not knowing uh, completely what the remainder of their schedule would be, but just no, kind of knowing the conference, you, you know, that's most of the iron right up front, I would right. imagine. Yeah, uh, yeah they, they, they go back uh, home and play Merrimack Valley the following week, uh, then at Kennett, uh, home to St. Thomas and Pembroke, and then they finish up at Laconia. Yeah, and St. Thomas has, has struggled a little bit. Um, Merrimack Valley is is actually, um, I think, kind of a surprise one and one. I mean, you know, darn near beat St. Thomas week one, and and then you know had a pretty decisive victory over Laconia yeah, this yeah. week. Yeah. Um, they've got some talent, so you know, there's there's another tough game, by the way, not not necessarily a gimme. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Then and then, of course, uh, as we, we mentioned off the top, Guilford Belmont with uh, with Isaiah Reese leading the way. Um, you know that that should be an interesting showdown. You know how is how is Bo able to contain him? Uh, are they able to contain him? You know that that that's a, a fun matchup to to hopefully watch up there. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. That might be the game of the week there. Uh, anybody else in in D two, uh, you know, give you kind of a surprise, raise your eyebrows a little bit, uh, make your jaw drop. Yeah, I, I did know. see that. Um, I did see that Hillsborough Deering got their first win of the season in in uh, kind of a low scoring affair over Hollis Brookline. I can't remember the last time I said low scoring anything <laughs> associated with Hollis Brookline. Right, right. <laughs> Those games might have been fifty four to forty eight or something, but they they were usually putting up points. But I think both of those teams kind of in similar boat this year, right? I think both of them have uh, experienced some some drop in their, their participation numbers this year. They're young. Um, you know, so that that's that's tough for both of those programs, but hey, you know, I'm, um, I'm, uh, I'm glad that uh, HDH was able to pull out a win. Uh, I think that was over at their home field in Katukuk or, or uh, yeah, that's where they are, right? Yeah. It's a beautiful um, setting wherever it is. <laughs> I know, I've been over there like six I always forget where it is, but I know uh, how to get there. Is it is it the same? I, it's behind the library, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's, uh, a, it's a really nice sort of like it's not a great place because there's no there's no stands or anything, but like it just has this really beautiful sort of like tucked back New England feel yeah, to it. So I don't know. I'm, I think that's in Hopkinton. Yeah, I've been up th- I've been up there for lacrosse a couple times, but not for football yet. Uh, it, it is yeah. it is an interesting place because, and I've done this every time I've gone, is I turn the wrong way go in the wrong way in the parking lot, the library parking lot, and end up having to turn around and go back. I forget that you have to go all the oh, way. I do the same thing. Building. You get yeah. stuck in the library parking yeah. lot. It's like, okay, well, I yeah. could drive down this little <laughs> hill here uh, and probably right. mess up my car. Uh, and then the other right. thing is, too, and I actually saw this on social media a couple of weeks ago. It made me laugh, uh, is they, they close. There's signs everywhere that say, you know, you have until dusk to get, get out of here. Uh, or, or locking the gate. That's not very friendly. Yeah. And I saw I saw someone post a a, a picture after uh, uh, I don't remember if it was a football game there or something else earlier, of of someone that left a car in the parking lot at the at the field in Hopkinton, and uh, someone shared it and was like, "Hey, if this is your car, <laughs> uh, you're you're out of luck. The gate's locked." <laughs> oh man. Um, 
so yeah, it, it is a. It, you're right. It it's very New England. It has a very New Englandish. Uh, let's try that again, Joe. New Englandish feel to it. Um, but you know, maybe maybe not exactly the most convenient place to to watch a game. No, no, it's cool because you could kind of like just like sort of saunter up to the field, you know, and just kind of hang out in the end zone or whatever. And it, like it's surrounded by trees. It's beautiful in the fall, but yeah, that that's all it is. It's just it's just a field. It's a beautiful setting, but it's it's just a hundred yards of grass and a scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, uh, as as a football coach, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question here. I want I want and I want you to answer me like a football coach. But but after two weeks, two games, you wouldn't be talking about the playoffs right now, would you? No. Okay. Well, I'm gonna no, do it. I'm gonna do it anyway. You know what the good news is, Joe? You're, you're, I'm not. I'm not a football coach anymore, <laughs> so I can talk about whatever you want. <laughs> so, so looking at Division Three, uh, it's an interesting breakdown. Of course, you've got ten teams in the division right now. Three of them are two and zero: Monadnock, Trinity, and Campbell. Four of them are one and one: Fall Mountain, Kearsarge, Interlakes, Moultonboro, and Epping Newmarket. And then the last three are zero and two: Conval, Kingswood, Stevens. As we've talked about a couple times, Conval and Kingswood, because they dropped down this year, not eligible for the playoffs. So really, you got eight teams going for four spots. Well, I'm, I, you know, with all apologies to the other teams in the division, Monadnock, Trinity, and Campbell look like they are legit. The top three teams, as of, I mean, obviously standings-wise, but just looking at their scores, what they have in terms of talent. Um, you know, they look like three teams that are, are destined for the playoffs. So that means you've got five other teams fighting for that last spot. And there's a game coming up this weekend that I think is going to go, uh, is going to have big implications on that. Uh, with, with in each, it's a team, both one and one lost their opening week to one of those three teams I mentioned, and then came back with a, with a nice win. Uh, of course, that's, uh, Epping Newmarket, which beat Conval this past week, 42 to nothing, um, had some big games from a couple of guys. Uh, Jared DeCourcy with uh, with two touchdowns for them, uh, seven tackles on defense. Uh, Brandon Dwyer had a touchdown reception, interception on defense and three tackles. And then um, a couple guys who didn't get in the end zone, uh, Aiden Rosal, who had 121 yards rushing, and then Jordan Espo had 123 yards rushing for them. Uh, wow. You know, so, so they had a big game against Conval. They're going to be going on the road uh, for a Friday night game at Fall Mountain, which um, which came out with a 14-6 win over Kearsarge uh, this past weekend, uh, which was a you know big win for them. That's a good win for yeah. for them. Um, let me just double check here. Going on the road too. In fact, their first two games they they went to Manadnock and then uh, and then got that win over. Um, excuse me, over Kearsarge uh, this past week. So, you know, like I said, both teams one and one, um, you know, with only one team getting, or, or excuse me, you know, what, it looking like there's only going to be one other team from that bunch of five getting in. Um, this this game potentially is big, you know, for playoff positioning. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think that's, that's probably your game of the week. Um, I, I mean, the only other team that's, Again, looking at it right now, not in that mix, but you would you would expect might have some potential would be Stevens. Um, but I don't know what the re- remainder of their schedule looks like. I I got a bunch of stuff in front of me here, but unfortunately not the D three schedule. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that that might be your game of the week. Yeah, yeah, in the in the division especially, um, you know, and then the following week we'll have a pretty big one when when uh, Trinity goes to Manathnock. Um That'll be an interesting one. And that's when you start to see some of those teams match up. Trinity goes, Monadnock, Campbell in back-to-back weeks, um, you know, and then and then after playing Trinity, Monadnock has that week in between where they play Conville and then they play Campbell. Um, so a little bit of round robin there in Division Three um, should be an yeah. interesting. And even this weeks. coming week, uh, the the um, the Monadnock Interlakes game has some interest to it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Maybe not quite the the game of the week, but I, I still think that's a pretty reasonable, you know that that that's a that's a game to take a look at and say, okay, you know, there's a bit of a measuring stick. Right. Um, yeah. So that's D three. How that looks this week, and then Division four started their season uh, this past week. Um, you know, you had uh, Summersworth 
defending, opening its title defense with a big win over Newfound. Um, Newport with a, a big win over Muscoma Valley. Uh, Raymond getting a win over Franklin, uh, 49-32. And, uh, you know, based off what I saw kind of on, on, on Twitter, uh, seemed like it was a little bit of a back-and-forth game for a while there. Uh, you know, Raymond got uh, four touchdown passes and two rushing touchdowns from Trey Donahue in that game. Um, so, you know, nice nice to see them get off to a good start. And then yeah. um, Winnesquam gets a, a 20-13 to 13 win over Bishop Brady. Uh, you know, although Winnesquam, as we said, they're, they're a team like Conval and Kingswood that's uh, not going to be eligible for the postseason this year. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird it was a weird opening week for D four because there were some really close games, right? Winnesquam, Bishop Brady, Franklin Raymond. Um, uh, but then two, there yeah. were some yeah. lopsided games, right? Yeah. Um, Newport, obviously, forty two to nothing over Mescoma Valley, um, and I and I think um, I think Summersworth beat Newfound. Yes pretty pretty soundly like 47 to nothing or some 48 to nothing somewhere in there i forget exactly what it was but i remember seeing that and, and you know we had talked a little bit at the beginning of the year about how sometimes division four sort of shakes out with those haves and those have nots but i do think that it, it it's nice to see some really tightly contested games in there uh in week one yeah absolutely yeah kind of makes it look like uh you know, we'll see maybe a few more closer games this year in the division than, uh, you know, than than in a couple of years past. I, I would say. Well, Absolutely, Mike. I think uh, I don't know. Any other thoughts before we wrap up for the week? No, I don't think so. I think I think it was an entertaining week. I think you know, as we've said, you got to get through kind of week one and week two before you can really start to see some patterns develop and you know get get a sense for. Hey, you know, did this team just have a rough, rough opener? You know, a rough couple of days or a rough couple of games, or are they, you know, are they maybe just down this year and that's just the way it's going to be, right? So I think we've started to started to see some of that coming together a little bit, and I, I I think getting into the meat of the season here, you know, usually weeks three through six, um, there's a lot that goes on, and it, it, you know, I'm looking forward to kind of getting into that. Yeah, it'll all start to to shake out uh, in the next couple of weeks, and. Well, I mean, even this week, we'll probably learn quite a bit about uh, about many of these teams. All right. Well, I yeah, think, I think, yeah, I think, I think so. I think this is where things really start yeah. to solidify a little bit. Again, nothing's ever done until it's done, but <laughs> you you can really start putting, uh, you know, putting some measuring sticks out there now. Right. Well, I think that'll just about do it for us uh, this week, wrapping up. Uh, you know, the week uh, going into the third week of the season. Uh, Mike, I want to thank you again for, for joining me, uh, as always. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Always a good time. All right. He is Mike Lockman. I'm Joe Marcellino. We will talk to you again next week. Enjoy the games.